And I think that describes what we do because, you know, we're striving to make an impact, a positive impact in terms of like the animal rescue and animal wellness world, but also striving to make an impact in the comedy world through creating these platforms, but also championing comics and providing opportunities and you know, that we get ta- tapped into bringing them along with us and giving them photos and videos to use to further their career. So hopefully making a positive impact on them and then wanting to make this positive impact is what drives me each and every day to really challenge the status quo of comedy and in doing so changing and hopefully advancing animal rescue and wellness efforts. Welcome to the Supercharge with Digital Marketer, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything related to entrepreneurship and finding success and building business online. And I'm your host and also the co-founder of Marketer Kazuki. And in today's episode, we are super excited to bring Jolie and Nicholas from New York City. And they are a comedian and also a founder of Must Love Dogs and Comedy, an organization that not only brings laughter to the audience, but also helps raise awareness of the animal rescue. So welcome to our podcast. Um, We're super excited to have you on board. And I know I myself are really curious as well. And also the audience is curious about it too. And I know you guys are, you know, comedians, you know, bringing dogs into comedians shows and everything between. So I'd love to know a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Please introduce yourself into the wide audience. Absolutely. Ladies first. (laughs) Thank you. We're, We're excited to be here. So my name is Jolie, pronouns she, her. And I'm Nick, Nicholas Polanco. And then I know podcasts are not a visual medium, but our dog is back here behind us too. Well, let's pretend that there is a virtual doggy then. (laughs) (laughs) She's behind us sleeping. Maybe she'll make an appearance throughout our conversation. But yeah, so we're the co-founders of Must Love Dogs and Comedy, and we are based in New York City. And we've been doing our show about a little over a year and a half now, I would say. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So you said... You know, you started your show in a year and a half. So, so you guys kind of started during the pandemic, I'm assuming. Yeah. As things started to open back up again in New York City, you know, we started to started to socialize the idea of, hey, we hear a lot of our friends saying, you know, that they can't come out and meet us because they have this, you know, they've adopted a puppy. They're very young. And anytime that they leave, they literally shred up their shoes their pillowcases, their couches. I'm like, I I don't blame you, buddy. I you know I will be pretty pretty upset if I come back home to find all those things ripped up. And not just that, you know, Jolie and your comedy friends, you know, in the environment and the scenes that she would be in, there wasn't much of diversification or representation in the spaces that she was partaking in, in comedy shows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So, I think. We are different in a lot of different ways than, you know, traditional businesses or traditional ideas for entrepreneurship. But when you look at the pandemic as a whole, our initiative didn't start until the pandemic. So it was kind of like once quarantine was ending, that's when we started this. Like that's where we got the idea from when we were starting to go back out after quarantine throughout the pandemic. Wow, that's really exciting because I know you guys also 
mentioned previously as well, like it's kind of interesting to have dogs and a comedy all two mixed together, no? So I'm kind of curious to know a little bit of, you know, how you ended up not only just started your journey as a comedian, but like, how did you bring, you know, dogs as well? And also you mentioned a little bit when we had the discussion before the podcast, you know, you, you decided to have awareness for the, the whole thing about, you know, uh, animal rescue. So I'm kind of curious to know a little bit more, um, you know, your journeys on how you started it as a comedian and how you ended up to where you are now. And then, you know, whole ideas of comedians and dogs. Yeah. So when we first got together almost, almost five years now, I was not performing as a comedian. So it wasn't always part of like our story together. I've always been a big comedy fan and I've always really loved watching comedy TV shows, uh, going to comedy shows, just being a viewer of comedy. But then when I moved to New York, one of the companies that I worked for when I first moved here, they had an initiative where they would pay for you to take like a personal development class. And so they paid for me to take an improv class. And so I was in a place where I had access to do it. And I had like a little bit more equitable access because I didn't have to pay for that <laughs> class myself <laughs> because they're not cheap. Uh, so I tried it. And then I this was literally right before quarantine. It was like a month or two before quarantine started in New York. And I was like, wow, I, I really like being a part of this and like studying comedy and the structure of it, the process of it, like the creative process behind it. And then once we were in quarantine, I took just about every online virtual comedy, like writing class that you could think of from sketch to late night TV writing. I wrote a, a comedy pilot, a TV pilot, character monologues, satire, like all, pretty, any comedy class that you could take. I, I took it during quarantine as like a, a nice creative outlet and then quarantine ended and we could start leaving the house again and so I could start going to open mics and uh, kind of jumping into stand-up comedy a little bit and start performing but we had just spent a year a year and a half on the couch at home with our dog and so she was really upset every time I had to leave now she's like wait a minute where are you going and why am I not coming with you <laughs> so <laughs> Like, like Nick was talking about, we had friends that adopted during the pandemic and we were all just itching to reconnect and be together outside of the apartment again. But we didn't want to have to leave our our dogs behind. So it's like, well, I, I love comedy. I love this being in this world. I love dogs. I love bringing my dog places. Let's combine them and see if we can like make this happen. Wow. And then how's that going for you so far? For the both of you? It's going good. I mean, before all of this, I'll be honest, I, even though I grew up in New York City, I never really like delved too deep into the comedy scene in New York City or the Broadway or the theater scene in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> but it was till I met Jolie. That's where I became more adjacent to like the theater scene, the comedy scene, right? It was really through her dragging me to support her, you know, in the Bringer shows. <laughs> when she was starting out her com comedy career here in the city, that's where I really started to get, you know, more joy and just more observational in terms of how, how comedy shows are produced, the experiences that comedians themselves Damn. go through, which typically are not the best experiences from a production and talent handling perspective. So these are all things that I, you know, supporting her as she was venturing into this new comedy world. 
these are things that I would pick up, like how were comedians communicated with, how they were, you know, supervised during the shows. And as we started to develop our own shows here in the city, that's something that I wanted to make sure that we really drove home the experience, not only for the audience and the partners that we work with, yeah. but the comedians themselves, like how I wish to treat them with respect, humility. And again, if you're in our, sh in, in our show, you're a star to me for the next two or three hours. I'm going to treat you like a freaking star. Uh, <laughs> so as opposed to the other shows that I would go to, like they weren't treated that well. And to me, I mean, it's, it might be obvious to me from my upbringing, treat, treat others, you know, with the same sort of treatment that you will want for yourself, right? Just yeah. Treat with respect and dignity. So that's something that I, I always strive to do with our comedians, make sure that they're happy, that they're comfortable, and they have everything that they need to be successful and comfortable during our shows. That's actually quite amazing. You know, like it's as a business owner, it's really, it's really like very, not, not just like comedian mindset, but also business mindset, really helping other people to feel comfortable as well as, you know, giving back to the community. That's really profound. And I can't, I want to kind of jump a little bit back towards pandemic a little bit. And you mentioned, you know, you, everything started during a pandemic. So I'm kind of curious to know how has the pandemic really affected you guys in terms of your businesses as well? And what creative solutions have you come up with it to adopt the current uh, circumstances? So from the, the comedy world perspective, during the pandemic, a lot, well, taking another step back within the comedy world, there's like kind of two main paths. So you have like the club path and that's when you're performing at like a traditional comedy club. And then you have like the alternative comedy path where you're performing anywhere that you get a spot, whether that's like at a coffee shop, in the back of a bar, in a basement <laughs> of a grocery store, you know, like anywhere that you can perform. So these different paths, like within the alternative comedy space during the pandemic, a lot of them shut down in New York City. So there wasn't as many spaces as there were before open for comedians to come and share their art form and, and perform and be connected with other people pre-COVID as they were after quarantine. So I think that was one of the driving factors of us wanting to start our show was to create space for people who maybe aren't in the club scene because in New York City, it's 2023 and comedy is still very cis, straight, white, male. So having a space for underrepresented performers who are stand-up comedians, but we also do a variety of performers too, like musical comedy, character comedy, <clears throat> sketch comedy, where you don't really typically see that at a club. You see that more in alternative, alternative spaces. So I think that's one big thing from the comedy perspective that we saw change. And we wanted to be creative in terms of creating this new space for performers to reconnect and, and perform again after quarantine ended. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the venue, right? It's a traditional comedy venue with a big stage. It really comes down to the experience, the emotions and the connections, the community that's being built, you know, show after show after show with what we produce, right? So that's, again, a little bit different from your regular traditional comedy club that people go to in New York City. You talk to any audience member, any co comedian that's been, you know, over the 275 that we've spotlighted in the past year and a half, they all will mention the same thing, our professionalism and how we carry ourselves. And yeah, at, at the end of the day, communicate. The comedians and our yeah. it all comes down to communication. You would think that's simple, 
but communication, you know, for some reason is tends to be really difficult for people to get across concisely, right? So that's something that we strive to provide to the comics and, collab- and the partners that we collaborate with. Clear communication and expectations, and this is how we're going to run through the show. I mean, especially like running a show and then managing a show is really tough. And then you mentioned really clear, like communication is key. So I'm curious, like, how did you guys communicate it to the, you know, the people who doesn't know about your brands and who doesn't know about your comedy show? And then in the first place, like, how did you guys navigate through that communication channels? Yeah, so we have really worked very hard, definitely. (laughs) Very, very hard from the ground up. Like if you look at our Instagram page, you can see like the very, very first, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, right? Like you can see the very, very first little flyer that I made on Canva with like my picture and like Photoshop, our dog (laughs) on a stage, like we're doing a dog friendly comedy show. And, you know, we're not the first people to do a comedy show in a space that dogs can be right like that that exists and it has and it still will but i think as we continued to grow it like we found a really really good location that we work with at Boris and Horton it's a dog friendly cafe in the east village and they you know advanced on us and liked our communication liked our professionalism so they were like yeah you know like let's try it let's do a show like people want to come to events after quarantine let's see how it goes and you know the first one went well and they had like a good community of people that we could kind of tap into. And they helped us post about, you know, the show to get people in there. And we made the first show free. So it was like, hey, you know, just come be here. Like, just be out of your apartment. Just be here. <laughs> and then the, you know, the second one did really well. And as, you know, we kept producing them, I think just word of mouth really helped us. And once we saw that people were really, really interested and really excited about this idea, it's like, okay, well, if this is going to work, we should also do some good with it. So we have that diversity aspect of underrepresented performers, but we also started to partner with different animal rescue centers and donate a portion of our ticket sales to them. So we still have the majority of our events being donation-based to still make it equitable for people to see comedy. Because in New York, if you go to a comedy club, minimum tickets could be anywhere from... 10, 15, 20, 25 dollars plus you have to buy at least two drinks or you have to spend at least 25 dollars on food. And so it's it becomes pricey to go out and enjoy this art form in a traditional setting. So we wanted to say, hey, you know, we, we want you to come to this comedy show, but it's it's pay what you can to make it more equitable for individuals to come and be a part of the show. And people know that a portion of whether they pay a dollar, whether they pay a hundred dollars. A portion of that is going to be donated to some animal rescue center that we're partnering with for that specific show. So to kind of bring it back, I think it was a lot of heavily relying on like Instagram ads, reaching out to people who like were already at the cafe, like strategic marketing of, hey, I saw you went to, you know, Boris and Horton this Saturday to enjoy coffee with your pup and your friend. Come back next Friday. We're doing a show. And so once we started to get people in the door and then really spreading our mission, I think people come to our shows because they're fun. They love dogs, but ultimately because they really are behind our mission of wanting to raise money and awareness for animal rescue. Wow. That's actually quite, quite of a journey right there. Like, you know, 
starting from ground up is definitely something not easy, especially in a field of comedy as well. And there's so many comedians out there. You got to be unique to, you know, to your brand as well about yourself too. And um, I kind of want to touch a little bit of, you know, kind of like your memorable moment. So my next question is, what has been the most memorable dog and comedy event that you guys hosted so far? And what are them? Was there any funny or you know heartwarming story that you like to share with uh, with us as well? I think for myself, you may have a different show, but when we had Legal Zoom spotlight us as a small, like non traditional small business that's female minority owned, they came to one of our shows last summer and filmed and taped the show at Boris and Horton. And it was just really cool to see the excitement, the energy, just the chaotic joy in the room of not just because of the cameras and the lights, but it was really cool to see that, hey, it's really nice that we can, you know, be able to spread this energy, spread this love and joy from within, you know, just these four walls of that venue. So them allowing us to, for them to tape the show. And being able to broadcast it to their larger audience members that's outside of New York City, that was very cool. It was really like, hey, this is our really first big win for us. Having such a large entity come to us and tape the show and broadcast us and, you know, in their diversified audience, that's not necessarily within our, you know, regular New York City pet parents (laughs) community that we tend to market to. So that was a very cool show, you know, and they went a full eight to 10 hours of just recording us taping us and see how we go about producing the show, you know, sourcing comedians and what we do on a day to life. Like it's, it's a lot of hard effort, a lot of hard work for just two individuals to pull this off. Two and a half. You forgot. Two and, right, a, half. Dog. Two and a half. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely memorable. It was, it was really fun. Tiring, but fun. Yes. <laughs> Let me see. One of my favorite, I don't know. There's so many different favorite moments because when we we did our first show October 2021 and if you would have told us in October 2021 that literally a year from then so October 2022 we would be partnering with the daily show with Trevor Noah on, on Comedy Central like I would have um. laughed in your face I'd be like what are you talking about you know so it, it's just <laughs> been really cool like like the partnerships that we've been able to to do, you know, for that show specifically, we partnered with The Daily Show at the time, you know, with, with Trevor Noah and raised over a thousand dollars just in that show for an animal rescue center that we were partnered with. And then writers from The Daily Show came and performed. And then Ronnie Chang did Ronnie a special Chang. like, yeah, Ronnie no Chang did the show. In. <laughs> I was like, as a huge comedy fan, you know, as a comedy nerd, like I, I love producing the show and doing this, but I was like, that's crazy. Like he came to our show. Oh it, my took, it took me a minute to like connect the dots. I'm like, oh, this is, he must be another writer. So I just went up to him, but you know, wait, you want a lavalier? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm good. And he just went on to stage. I'm like, all right, good. Just let me know if you have any questions. And Jolie's like, Nick, you know Nick. who that is? <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Like, you know, I treat all com, com- like comics the same. Everybody will be treated like a star, whether you are starting out in the amateur or you're Ronnie Chang, just dropping in. Just, 
just casually jumping in. <laughs> yeah, just casually. They were yeah, because I remember that talking to the writers. They're like, "Is it okay if Ronnie comes and, and does a set?" I was like, "Yeah, I think that will be okay." <laughs> I don't think anybody will be mad. So, but that literally that was one year after we had started. You know, so that was like such a crazy experience that I never would have thought we had. Like, we do our own shows, but we get to partner with a lot of events. Like, we were part of the world's largest dog Halloween costume contest last October. Never would have thought that that would be on my resume. <laughs> we did well, we did a show in, in LA, our yeah. biggest show audience wise. It was like 155 wow. individuals compared to like the usual 65, 70 that we do in New York City. Mm-hmm. So to be able to do that on our very first run outside of New York City and have it be such a success and give that venue out in LA the playbook so how to produce a comedy show right that's centered around like a, a dog wellness initiative yeah that was something that you know they really were thankful for because they were a little bit hesitant to get it off and running yeah. uh, you know we just came in there with our positive attitude and our prior experience and we really laid out a good playbook for them to follow and continue to do more shows locally even if we're not there so again being able to just not produce these shows have our brand speak for ourselves, but also, you know, spread the joy and love to other venues, other cities as well has been pretty cool. And something that, again, you told us a year into it, you guys would be doing this. I'm like, no way. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So I think like on like a larger scale, those are like really big, like, oh my, like, wow, I can't believe that had moments. But I think on smaller scales, like every single show, there's always every single show without a, shadow of a doubt there's always a moment where a comedian will like if like get involved with the crowd or they're like it's snowing today in new york they'll be like man the weather's crazy today huh and then a dog will bark back as if they're like talking to the comedian so it's just like they're just little funny instances or a dog will use the bathroom on the ground when a comedian's performing like it's (laughs) you can't write funnier stuff than that (laughs) it's just perfect timing (laughs) It's like a great harmony between comedians and dogs. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. There's one time a comic sang one of their original comedy songs and they like sang a note for like a long time. And then there was a moment of silence. And then a dog just started howling and singing with them. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like a, that's like a, like a movie a little bit. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> wow. Well, I know, you know, you guys kind of talked a little bit about animal rescue and how important that is for your, you know, business calls. I want to jump kind of like a little bit from what we're talking about right now, but to kind of focus a little bit on animal rescue, because I think it's really also the fundamental core of your business and what you guys do. So um, I want to ask you a question about what are the, some of the biggest misconceptions people have, especially about, you know, animal rescue and how do you think dog and comedy really can help change those perceptions? I think for me, one of the biggest things that I've learned through partnering with different animal rescues and and talking to different people who work for animal rescues, maybe a misconception or an ignorance, maybe, of how expensive dog care can be. And so if if an animal is, if, if a dog is in a rescue center or if a dog is in a shelter, and there's a medical emergency that could be anywhere from twenty dollars to 
$200,000, you know, like just something crazy, like the the money that like a, a dog is playing and they like break their leg or something. And so if somebody is fostering a dog or a dog's in a shelter, the shelter, the animal rescue is in charge of paying those medical bills to help support the dogs. So I think people don't understand or if you don't have a dog or if you're not working with that, they don't understand like the amount of money that goes into the emergency vet funds for a lot of these dogs that they are rescuing. You know, if, if there's a lot of shelters, but there's a lot of rescue centers in New York that find dogs in different areas and like fly them back here and help to re- re- rehabilitate them and and get them into good forever homes. But the just the crazy amount of money that is needed to help these animals, because a lot of shelters and a lot of rescue centers are volunteer ran. And so it's not like I mean, people are doing this just because they genuinely love mm-hmm. to do it. And it's just the mm-hmm. cost that goes behind to up, upkeeping facilities, but ma- like mainly the vet funds, I think has been like a big misconception about not just something that you don't really necessarily maybe think about day to day when you're like, oh man, the the dogs are in the, yeah. you know, the shelter. And not just that too. Yeah. It's also like the the time commitment of resources like their, you know, their efforts to raise money and initiative, it might get curtailed because of a dog medical emergency, right? Uh, and depending on the size of that rescue, that shelter, it might take the entire team. So there goes their initiative of raising money. So when we do reach out to shelters or animal rescues, we strive to have as little impact on their day-to-day operations. We want to make it as seamless as possible for them to get money. Simple as that. Like all you guys have to do is, you know, if we if we work together, we'll do ninety five percent of the marketing and the logos and you know pushing out to the audience. And afterwards, at, at the end of the month, we'll just give you money. <laughs> That's it. You don't have to go to like some brewery. You don't have to go to some venue. You have to like, you know, set up and plan all these logistics for a fundraising event to fund some event that you're looking to do to raise money. All we simply do is, hey, are you interested in being our partner for this month? It's yes. Give us, you know, your preferred logo. We'll take it from there. And at the end of the month, we'll give you, we'll give you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. It's very, we try to make it as seamless and painless as possible because we, we already know that their time, resources, and energy is very limited. It's very constrained. So we don't want to add any more burden to them. We want to make it as easy as possible to get money in their hands and they always need some sort of funds, some sort of money to help out our little, you know, furry friends here. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's actually quite inspirational, to be honest, especially like knowing with the fact that we don't really know about what's going on in those world of, you know, animal rescue and especially like vets. Like I have a dog with, um, as well and I had, had a, recently had a surgery and oh my gosh, the bill, like thank God, I, well, uh, the, my dog is actually based in Japan. So my my parents have this dog insurance that covers most of the medical bills, but damn, like the cost is ridiculous and all the dogs and even I'm in Guatemala as well. And there's so many dogs out there on the streets, you know, wandering around, you know, having people to take care. So it's like, it's really cool what you guys do and what you guys really trying to, you know, not only accomplish, but as well as to give back to them and really raise those awareness, which is really cool. Yeah, so kind of like a following up questions to kind of everything that we've been talking about. But what do you hope to kind of achieve with your, you know, dog and comedy in the future? And I know you you guys touched a little bit upon expansion to LA, having the show in LA to 
doing things with, uh, you know, animal uh, rescue with the partnerships and having Ronnie Chan and your shows and all these amazing things that you guys are having so far. So I'm kind of curious to know what do you hope to achieve with, you know, dog and comedy in the future? And where do you, you guys see, especially your businesses and businesses going forward in the next few years? So I think one of our main goals is to grow like awareness and grow following enough to where we can be able to take the show out of New York more frequently. Our shows in New York do very, very well and, you know, are, are pretty much like on a machine running themselves at this point. So I would like for people to know who we are, what we do and why we do what we do so we can bring this show and our initiatives to different cities and do like a U.S. tour or something like that. I think that would be awesome just to go to different cities and spotlight local up and coming diverse talent, partner with local animal rescue or animal shelters in that area and just have this event in more places to make a larger impact than, than we are just here in New York. I think yeah. that's definitely one of our big goals. Yeah, I mean, we do a pretty good job spotlighting, you know, female and minority owned business, small businesses mm-hmm. in New York City. I would love to expand that to Austin, to Miami, to Chicago, D.C., L.A., Denver, right? Spotlighting, not just, you know, what we do in our mission and the amateur talent in those local cities, but also spotlighting the businesses as well that, you know, that we collaborate and interact with because these individuals, they have amazing stories as well. And when, you know, when we both come together, it's just, you know, two, three, four minds work a heck of a lot better than just Jolie and I, in my mind, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So it would be really cool if we can bring the show, have like a little road trip, road show, sort of like, you know, schedule. Hopefully Subaru will see this, hear about this. uh, (laughs) Subaru Jeep. Subaru Jeep, you know, they can sponsor us, get a car. Get a car so we can, you know, make this dream come true. But (laughs) I think that will be really, really cool to see if we can bring the show to other cities and bring the joy the mission and the drive to these different communities and foster even greater communities in these local cities throughout the U.S. And even abroad, hopefully, you know, we almost did a show in Ireland. And I have a lot of, you know, friends from Europe who ask me like, wow, this is such a great idea. And I ask them, don't people do, isn't this something that, you know, that already exists in Germany or in Spain? They're like, no, (laughs) people are not as crazy. They are within their four walls of their own home. But out in, you know, in public venues, it's not really, we haven't seen that. I would certainly love to bring that to Germany, to Spain, to Ireland. Because people, doesn't matter what culture you, you know, you uh, affiliate with, your race, your gender, age, everybody loves their dogs. It's like their children. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see in Europe as well. Like, I bet like it's really, really nice to have because it's a completely different culture. But it's really nice to kind of bring that atmosphere, you know, not only just the fun, but the awareness of, you know, your cause. It's really cool. So before we uh, kind of finish this episode, I'd like to kind of ask you to, and obviously the people who's listening to this podcast, obviously, you know, it could be from business owners to people who's currently going through tough times, especially layoffs and everything that's going on, or people who's looking to start their own business and things. So I'm kind of, I want to kind of ask you guys before we finish, what advice would you give to our audiences when it comes to following your passion to really make an impact 
in what you believe in. So whether if that's, you know, for, for the comedy and for, for the dogs rescues and everything, like what is the drive and what recommendation would you give to, you know, follow that drive or the passion? Oh, we know about layoffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I recently got laid off from, from Microsoft. So I, you know, we, we definitely feel, you know, a personal financial pinch. I mean, everything, you know, in society going on economically, but at the end of the day, having a really strong partner, somebody that I can, we can lean on each other is vitally important. Because I'm not going to lie, there are days, there are weeks I'm like, you know, I, or what we're, what we're doing, is it enough? Are we really making an impact? Sometimes I might, I might feel down, Jolie might fill up, or she might feel down, and I, and we just lift each other when we're, you know, we're feeling those negative thoughts creep in, and they will naturally, they always will. But having someone to reassure you that you'll get through it, there'll be some speed bumps along the way. But just hearing that voice of reassurance, whether it's your, your partner in that venture, a family member, a family friend. It's vitally important that someone really knows your character and who you are and how much devotion you have towards that passion, towards that business. So having a strong partner, a strong support group, whether that's family, peers, or friends, is incredibly important to get you through those tough mental periods when starting your own business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just in reflecting on where the idea came from and like why we wanted to start it and all the growth that we have been able to have through hard work, through partnerships, through luck, through, you know, right place, right time, like all of these different factors. I think it all kind of stems back to finding and identifying what it is that makes you happy, right? So this started because we wanted to bring our dog with us and because that made us happy, like having her with us. Right. And so it's like we noticed and identified, you know, if you want to like put it in a business perspective, we saw a need and how we were going to fill this need and, you know, all of these things. But ultimately it came down to, man, wouldn't it be cool to do this? Like that would be so much fun. And that would make me so happy to be able to bring my dog to my comedy show. And it was just, you know, what drives you, what makes you happy. And on days that we are feeling rough, you know, like we had a, a show last Friday and we both of us were not in a really great mindset, just kind of worn out, just feeling burnt out, just, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, all of these things. But then when you get here and you're doing what it is that you do, just reflecting back on why you started in the first place. So, so it's like we got to the show and it's like, man, we really weren't feeling it that day. But you get there and, and you see the joy that you're bringing to other people. You see the joy of, of the dogs wagging their tails playing. Like it's hard not to be happy and remember why we started this in the first place when we're getting discouraged, when we're getting rejections on applications for funding or you know, whatever it is. It's okay, well, why are we doing this? And why did we start this? Interesting. And it would you say it was worth it that you guys decided this journey? I, I, so. I would say so. You know, I, I would have a good hunch that <laughs> it's been worth it. You know, at the end of, some, some things in the mix coming some up. Things in the mix, but <laughs> follow up, follow us. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, when we do these shows, like Joey mentioned, like last week, it was tough. It was tough. But you know, just talking to the comedians and hearing their feedback, like just being so thankful and appreciative of what we do, how professional we are with everything, and 
hearing audience members, you know, saying like, I, I just brought our second date and I think I really hit it off with her because she likes socks and I, I did a good job finding <laughs> <laughs> an event for us. I was like, yeah, yeah, heck yeah, there we go. You know, we're helping, you know, people form relationships, create new friendships. And that's really cool to see. That's something that me selling, you know, before at least selling software, you don't really get that emotion. You don't really get that joy. But seeing it tang a tangible connection of individuals after a 90-minute show is really powerful. And it puts a smile on my face. It really, really does. As a, you know, and you know, of course, the dog's running around and <laughs> you know, being silly. It's always a joyful, chaotic, joyful scenery <laughs> to enjoy. It's always really cool to see the, like, the repeat audience members like audience members who come back for multiple shows because it's like you know they're, they're really having a good time they're bringing their friends like yeah. they're spreading the word and so i think that definitely makes it worth it because it's like you know people are really resonating with this and it is making an impact and it is making a difference in at least somebody's life whether they're a human or a dog and it's it makes it worth it for those days that every entrepreneur has yes. where it's yes. like should we keep doing this is it is it worth it like we're we're not making money, you know, <laughs> they're like, we're not in this for the big bucks. So it's like, can we keep doing this? Like, it's worth all this hard work, you know, all this stress and all this stuff. And so to, to look back at the pictures and the videos that we take and to see these same people coming and, you know, building this community is, is really, I think what makes it worth it at the end of the day. A hundred percent. Amazing. Well, before before we're going to actually close this podcast, I'd like to ask one last question for you both. What is the one word that summarizes your who you are and what you do in terms of your everything that you're doing up to this day? What is that keeps up waking up each day? What is the one word that keeps you up going? So what is one word that describes what us and like what we do with Muscle Dogs and Comedy? Yeah, exactly. And then what keeps you, you know, going in terms of, you know, what you believe in? I think for me, my word would be impact. And I think, do I, do I only say the word or do I explain it? No, I mean, feel free to go and explain it as well. It's really important too. Okay. <laughs> and mine would be impact. And I think that describes what we do because, you know, we're striving to make an impact, a positive impact in terms of like the animal rescue and animal wellness world but also striving to make an impact in the comedy world through creating these platforms, but also championing comics and providing opportunities and you know, that we get tapped into, bringing them along with us and giving them photos and videos to use to further their career. So hopefully making a positive impact on them and then wanting to make this positive impact is what drives me each and every day to really challenge the status quo of comedy and in doing so, changing and hopefully advancing animal rescue and wellness efforts. Yeah. Pretty tough to follow up. I think for me, I'd say community. Community, you know, within, you know, the comedians th themselves and networking with one another and building, you know, their own personal circle or community within like their own rising, you know, comedian career community within the audience members like dog parents or sometimes you know we, we had an employee resource group from google come to one of one of the shows that have you know like a gathering as opposed to just chugging beer at another happy hour <laughs> right 
another way of building community within that employee, you know, team or that employer. Community of small business owners, right? Minority or female owned, just being able to network with one another, share resources with one another, share labs with one another, and share each other's puppies, right? Them playing and having a good time during the show. So I think impact and community, it's something that we really, I'd say that we hit the market, like the mark with, with muscle dogs and comedy. Wow. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much, guys. That brings us to the end of this episode. And thank you so much to Jolie and Nicholas for joining us on a topic of using comedy to make a difference. And I hope that everyone learned something from this episode because there were so many things that we can learn from Jolie and Nicholas on following your passion to make a benefit and impact to your community. So as always, thanks so much for listening to Supercharge with Digital Marketer. And if you enjoy the show, please follow or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to come back in two weeks for a discussion of building a business with purpose. Until then, this is Kazuki. And don't forget, don't stop and keep believing. See you next time.